I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans. It is before the box score, your, your preeminent preview podcast for the Varsity Missouri Tiger football team, uh, 2019 edition. I am your host, Nate Edwards. We're doing this again. Second episode. We're on a roll. <laughs> Can you believe it? They want us to do another. Wow. That must be a good thing. It has to be a good thing because the dulcet tones that are joining me is Mr. Samuel Stava. Say hello to the people, Sammy. Hey guys, we are just starting episode two now of the box score. They can't stop us. We've already hit record. So when we last uh, when we last left our our listenership, we were diving headfirst into the 2019 uh, football schedule for our beloved Missouri Tigers. We had stopped um, at Ole Miss, which was our homecoming game of this year. And after homecoming, we get to the first conference road game. And (laughs) it's, what is it, October 19th. That's our second road game of the season. Um, Against the Smart Kids School, Vanderbilt Commodores. So I guess my question for you, Samuel, um, which player on Vandy's roster scares you the most well i think Keyshawn bond is the obvious answer here so we want to go with the obvious answer i'll go with a different answer i'll go with uh jared pinkney uh they're a Ooh. senior tight end i mean 
he has landed on some preseason All-American lists, and you just don't see that that often at Vanderbilt. And obviously, he was an explosive player. He had 111 receiving yards versus Notre Dame last season, and that just shows you the potential he has. For sure, yeah. Um, I, we, at Mizzou, we love a good tight end, obviously. <laughs> um, and yeah, he, he's a very good one. Uh, kind of underrated. Um, and obviously, he's getting preseason accolades, but still, you know, when you're when you're on a team with Keyshawn Vaughn and Kalijah Lipscomb, sometimes you get uh, overshadowed a little bit. But no, I think that's a especially how we covered tight ends last year. That's a that's a legitimate worry. Vandy was just um, an intriguing team. I mean, they had the senior core of Keyshawn Vaughn, Kalijah Lipscomb, and Jared Pickney. That's their main core. And I think the, mm-hmm. the big and, question you know, is what they're going to get out of the quarterback. That's, yep, that is the question. Because we got to figure out who's going to be taking the snaps first and foremost. Um, and then how they're going to do. So uh, it looked like, I don't know, I don't know if you've seen anything different. Riley Neal, that's who I was hearing. Yeah, the transfer out of Ball State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it looks like Riley Neal at least has a, has dibs on the first start of the season. We'll see how he does. Um, at Ball State, he wasn't super impressive, but then again, it was Ball State. No, no disrespect to the Cardinals. Um, but, uh, you know, it, really, if you are Riley Neal, all you got to do is hand off to Keyshawn Vaughn and throw it to Kalijah Lipscomb or Jared Pickney. Yeah, let, yeah, let, let Lipscomb pick me and go on yeah, and do all the work. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle Shermer was last year's quarterback. I think Kyle Shermer was was very underrated as well. Yeah, if they had him this year, man, they would have, like, They really would have, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they do not. But, um, you know, they, they've got uh, defensively, um, head coach Derek Mason finally turned the reins over to another guy, uh, Jason Tarver. And uh, they only get about 43% of last year's defensive production back. So they're kind of starting over, which is good, <laughs> um, you know, from a unit that ranked 57th, which was an improvement uh, from 2017. So I don't know. It, it's a uh, schedule to begin the year. Yeah, go ahead and rattle that off for me. Georgia. Their first, what's their, their first three games? Georgia. That's in Nashville. But then they go at Purdue. Then they. That is daunting. We know how fun Purdue can be. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> That's right. Not fun is the joke there. Um, yeah, and you know, the thing about Vandy is that, you know, they, they can play you tough, but it always seems like if you know if they lose, it's like in that second half when depth starts getting exposed. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Vandy really hasn't made a whole lot of movement in the win column, although from a quality standpoint, they've been Steady risers uh, since Derek Mason took over. Um, how do you feel about this game? They've been a pretty reliable win, but what do you think? I, I think it's a very sneaky game. I mean, it's in Nashville. It's, it's their, their first conference road game, so that's never easy. But if Mizzou wants to have the season, they hope to expect they better be at least 6-0 and or at least 5-1 and heading into this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, this is the easy 
conference road trip. <laughs> like you have to win this one. Um, because the next week is what I called the doom game. Um, for all of you who read my preview about Kentucky, you saw that I had kind of a crisis of character. Um, I, I, Kentucky has broken my spirit. I, I have no hopes of winning since Kentucky has owned us for the past uh, four years. So I guess, Sammy, can you tell me why Missouri has had such a hard time against Kentucky? Well, I, I don't know what it is, but Stoops has just been out coaching Barry Odom lately these past four seasons. I mean, whenever a team has a lengthy winning streak against a certain opponent, I mean, that team's confidence just starts to grow knowing that you can beat this team. And it, Kentucky looks up at the schedule, hey, Missouri's on there. And they kind of start to get that confidence going knowing they can beat Missouri. Well, whatever whatever black magic they have over us, it's it's very effective. Um, you know, they, they don't return a whole lot from last year's team, only 51% of their yeah. overall production. Losing um, Josh Allen and Benny Snell. That's pretty much, yeah. Um, 64% of that offense returns, but only 39% of the defense, which, again, Josh Allen was most of that production. So, um, man, I just – you look at – Terry Wilson, their quarterback, and he, you know, he complete he gets like five yards per per attempt when he's passing. Uh, he's only threw for eighteen hundred yards. He only rushed for seven twenty six. Like he's just he's not a threat. There's a brand new running back. They have one good wide yeah. receiver and then a bunch of nobodies behind him. Um, I I just I look at this, you know, I look at the the lack of names, the lack of like proven talent, and I go, we got him. And then I remember they're Kentucky, and I go, well, how are yeah, we going to lose this that's one? The thing. I mean, Mizzou just needs to avoid losing this game like they did last year. I mean, if they want to have the season that they want, just just like South Carolina, to a lesser extent, because this is still a conference row game, but they need to beat South Carolina and Kentucky this year. I just don't know. We'll uh, it's it's at yeah uh, Lexington. It's at Kroger Field, the mighty Kroger Field. Um, I just uh, I'm not going to count it as a win until it actually happens because Barry Odom's never beaten him. Kentucky plays eight home games this year, which is incredible. Good God, really? Yeah, usually it's seven and five or six and six, but they yeah. have eight home games and four road games this year. That is. They need as many advantages as they can get. I don't. Other than us, they don't really have winning streaks over teams. So, um, man, eight games at home. Yeah. It's a shame they don't have any returning production. Otherwise, they could really make some noise, man. Well, we'll see. Um, I I don't feel good. I I don't know. Do you feel fine? Is this a win? Is this a TBD? better about this game than Bandy actually. I, I don't know why, but I just, I don't know. I, wow. I just think Missouri has better weapons. I mean, Kentucky just doesn't have a whole lot on offense. <laughs> but they never and, do, yeah, exactly. and they still beat us. I, I, for some reason, I just feel 
a lot better about this game than the previous seasons. I think it's time for them to get the Kentucky Monkey off their back. The Kentucky Monkey. Our reckoning is here. We will correct the course. We will finally beat the basketball school of yes. the SEC. Okay, okay. I got to be sipping that Kool Aid you got there, um, but we'll see. That's that's a long ways off. Um, we'll see how the team is doing. But you know, here's the other thing: right after we go to Kentucky, we get Georgia at home, and you want to talk about a legitimate <laughs> streak against us? Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are it. Um, they're breaking in new coordinators, uh, James Coley and Dan Lanning at offensive and defensive coordinator, respectively. Uh, they're Georgia. Georgia's Georgia, number one recruiting classes for the past two years. They got Jake Fromm coming back. They got 62% of their production coming back, a lot on defense. Um, Samuel, young, optimistic Samuel, is there any stopping the Georgia machine? <laughs> uh, I am optimistic, but not about this one. Uh, there's just... No stop in this Georgia team. I don't think I mean, Missouri, if Missouri win, is going to win this game. They're going to have to play their perfect game to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of three teams that match up well with Georgia in the country. That's Alabama, Clemson, and maybe Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will I will say, though, Missouri catches Georgia at the absolute right time between yes. their two biggest rivals, Florida and Auburn. So if you ever want to get the chance – knock off Georgia. This is the time maybe they overlook Missouri. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe they overlook a little bit. I don't know. I don't know, but in the middle of Georgia's biggest rivals, Florida and Auburn, I think this is where you kind of want to. I, I agree. I agree. And and last year showed that Georgia can overlook opponents. They absolutely can. Yeah. Um. Because they were doing it to us, really. We were hanging with them for until about the fourth quarter. Yeah, fourth quarter. So I mean, is it is it possible? Yeah, it's it's college sports. It's absolutely possible. But it's also college sports, and they have way more talent than we do. So um, okay, Sammy. So of all of Georgia's blue chip talent, which one is the most impressive to you? Uh, Georgia's running backs. I mean. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Herschel Walker days. I mean, they're just known for the running backs. They're running back here. I mean, you know, Herschel Walker. I mean, and then obviously, you know, John Moreno is a big name. And then what if Todd Gurley, Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, and now he got, got DeAndre Swift. And I, I expect him to have a big year. Yeah, he should. I mean, he's, he's had big years before. Um, I mean, he's already... I think he's already run for like 1,600 yards, which is insane. Um, you know, but that's that's kind of what you expect from from blue chip talent like this. Um, you know, they got four and five star guys all across this roster at quarterback, offensive line, running back, receiver. Um, the 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 big hope that you have is that they are starting completely over at receiver. Yeah. And you gotta hope that some of those don't pan out, which is insanity to think that, but. Um, if they have to be a little one-dimensional while they break in young receivers, that certainly benefits us because uh, yeah. our secondary should be pretty good, and our run defense has been pretty stout the past couple of years. So, um, yeah, it is. Um, Riley Ridley as well. You know, they those guys made a lot of people look very stupid. 
Um, so you, you're grasping at straws here because this, this defense is the Georgia defense is going to be stout as, as usual. And you got to hope that you can just contain them on offense, make a couple plays on defense, or on, uh, yeah, contain them on offense, make a couple plays against that defense, and just kind of hold on. Um, a couple turnovers would be nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, yeah, if they win their turnover battle, maybe, just maybe, they, they yeah, got I mean, the, the one time we beat them, it was in Athens. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, Back to the 2013 special season, maybe you get some special vibes going to this. It, it's not there ain't no going to this game. If Mizzou ain't no oh going to this game, the magnitude of this game would be – that's a I big mean, it would it would be the afternoon slot on CBS, right? Yeah, or, or maybe – Maybe. Primetime, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I mean, I it, it would be huge. But it would be huge. Um – I, w- I would love to see that. I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> and this is the this is the first game this will be playing a ranked at least. <sighs> yeah, to well, preseason. Yeah. To um, and really, probably, but, <laughs> it's going to hold true. And Mizzou was not ranked true. in the preseason for <laughs> disrespect. I like sneaking up on people. I don't care about preseason ranks too much. But Exactly. But, and we are the number one. <laughs> so there, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Number one, baby. Number one unranked team. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, we can afford to lose this one. You just gotta hope that Georgia loses oh, two. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that's not Georgia's not gonna lose two, are they? Yeah, probably not gonna happen. Probably. <laughs> nah. But that's okay. But you can hope. Absolutely, you can hope. Also, Georgia fans are like super nice. I don't know how many you know. Um, but all the ones that I've talked to in Columbia are like super accommodating, very friendly. Um, all my online interactions have been very positive. So shout out to the Georgia fan base. Yeah. Unlike Tennessee fans. Well, <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, first, let's touch on Florida. Yes. Which in today's, well, if you're hearing this Thursday, it would have been yesterday's preview. Uh, I called. Uh, we are basically the Kentucky to Florida's Missouri in so much that we have a very unfathomable winning streak <laughs> against one of the better programs in the country. Um, don't don't question it. Just embrace it uh, as long as you can. Um, I guess my question for you, Sam, is, uh, is this the year that Florida finally produces a consistent, competent offense? Well, it's one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it. No, I mean, but I mean, there is potential there because Dan Mullen is an offensive guy. He's an offensive. He was an offensive coordinator before. I mean, he's taken Mississippi State to great offensive years, and so the potential is there. He's got some talent to work with this this season. I'm, I'm expecting big years from Felipe Franks, Elijah Kuyan, and Von Jefferson. Got that core. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. And, you know, they hired Jim McElwain, who was supposed to be an offensive guy. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you know, I talked about it in the in the piece. You know, everyone was kind of looking at um, Frank's last games uh, after after the Missouri debacle, uh, what he did afterwards. And, like, he, he was good. You know, he completed 65% of his passes, you know, almost 900 yards and eight, te- and eight touchdowns and no interceptions. But as a couple of readers pointed out, and what is easy to point out, is that that was against South Carolina, Idaho, Florida State, and Michigan. And of those teams, two of them have competent defenses. And it's like, and that's all you could do? Um, so I don't know. That's, that's I think, uh, Frank's development towards the end of the year is one of the things that powered the narrative uh, for the Florida hype this offseason. And I think you can actually question the legitimacy of that. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I, I think it's crazy that they come in uh, number eight in the preseason top twenty-five. I mean, but we'll get to find out early what this Florida offense is capable of, and they they play Miami on Saturday. Yeah, we'll we'll find out if this Florida they do. offense is really, they do. Really on. And I don't know. That is a tough test. <laughs> get a tough test. I, Exciting game for the first game of the season. Are you a fan of Week Zero? Absolutely. Yeah. I love Week Zero. I mean, you could you could put well, yeah, you I can mean, put Rice Stanford in Australia, and I'll watch it. I know because I did. I think it's just a, <laughs> kind of a tease. But this is a big game, so I'm excited for my game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I like I like watching teams right. that I know that I yeah. would never have a chance in hell of watching in other any other week. Um, again, you know, we're so starving. You could throw anything out there, and we'll we'll gobble it up. So, uh, getting the U in Florida as, as yeah. a, kind of your your uh, your appetizer is pretty dang good. Um, yeah. Although I feel like it's going to be a gigantic punt fest. We'll we'll see how it goes, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess Florida, you know, for us kind of getting back into the season, do you, do you foresee this as another year where we extend the winning, winning seasons or is this kind of the year where they bite us back? Uh, I think Florida is going to remember what happened in this round last season. I, I think they'll be ready to go in Columbia, but I mean, talk about Florida, warm weather team there. I mean, they play in Columbia middle of November. Mm -hmm. That's going to be Tough, maybe some tough weather conditions for them. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking Florida gets us this year. You never bet against a streak. Yeah, yeah. but this is an unfathomable streak. You know, um, I, I don't know. One of the I think one of the better uh, side stories about Florida is their defensive coordinator Todd, Grant, Todd Grantham. Um, he's, he's a pretty good defensive coordinator, but he's also like a super emotional blitzer. Um, so in, in the story I talked about third and Grantham. So, so when Todd Grantham wants to really, wants to really stop a drive, wants to really get you on third down, he tends to send everybody and, and coordinators are really picked up on this. Um, so on standard down, so that's like first, second, third down with like, yeah. you know, 10, five or three yards to go. Yeah. They're really good. He, they, they'll stop you. But 
on passing downs where it's you know first and 15, second and 10, third and long, they are 84th <laughs> on average. So he will, he will stop you cold the first two and then let you off the hook on the third. Um, and I don't know if I'm, – I'm sure he's aware. They do enough self-scouting that they have to be aware, but – uh, he's also been doing this for a very long time, and I don't know if he's going to change or not. So um, there are always opportunities against the Grantham defense, and I'd like to think that we continue the winning streak this year. We obviously have a lot of talent um, that can extend the streak, but, yeah, it's it's tough to see Mizzou beat Florida for a third yeah, consecutive I match year. Up well, but I, it's going to be a close game, but I, I think Florida playing away late. Yeah, for sure. And that'll suck, but you know we're possibly ineligible for the postseason anyway. Uh, it's it's mostly just to see how we stack up against that kind of talent. Yeah, it'll be good metrics yeah, for sure. Speaking of measuring sticks, <laughs> let's talk about Tennessee. Um, this one drops uh, today. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday, um, yeah. I kind of went philosophical, uh, a little introspective with Tennessee. Uh, and their struggle against historical expectations and kind of the rest of what the SEC is doing. And Tennessee kind of strikes me as a as a, as a program kind of constantly in crisis, uh, a crisis of identity of what they used to be and where they are now. Um, and I, I feel bad for yeah, them. I, I want them I to do well, that. you know. But yeah. I guess, you know, Tennessee fans always get mocked for unrealistic expectations. And I guess for you, Sammy – what are Tennessee fans expecting this year? I wonder if they're expecting all delusional ball fans. I wonder if they're expecting SEC East titles. I mean, that's what they, <laughs> that's what they expect from the program. I mean, in college football, it's a lot. College football is better with Tennessee relevant, don't you think? You know, I, I always feel like any sports writer believes that call. You know, their sport would be better if X team. Yeah. is good and that team is typically a team that was good when they were younger when they yeah. were coming up on the sport um tennessee won a title when i was like 12 or 13 something like that and i was i was kind of on the periphery but it would it only helps the league it only helps you know your your uh your resume uh for all teams to be good um so yeah i, I would agree with that it'd be nice to have volunteers back yeah. on top and but i think what balls football fans should be expecting this year is just to get to a bowl game this season. I mean, or, I don't know, Vanderbilt. Mm. Once. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I I do feel bad for Tennessee fans. They don't do themselves any favors. Uh, they tend to be a little tinfoil hatty, um, kind of throwing throwing in the balls at, at, at any opportunity that they can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they're a national title team and, and they want to get back to that and I don't blame them. Yeah. And I, they're heading in the right direction under Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, they, even though they didn't Auburn. go to a full game last yeah, year, they beat Auburn and Kentucky. Yeah. Two ranked teams at the time they played them in Kentucky. Yeah. So in, so in my piece, um, I mentioned that when we, when we made the jump from the big 12 to the SEC, a lot of fans, myself included, tried to pair up Big 12 teams with an SEC counterpart. And obviously there's there's some there's some obvious ones, you know, Oklahoma's Alabama, 
Texas. Yeah, Texas is Florida. Kansas is Kentucky. Stuff like that. Yeah. I always viewed Tennessee as Nebraska. That 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 is a perfect conclusion. Yeah, I um. Yeah, so, I, I can see that. <laughs> just yes. Pro, that just the way the programs are right now, and the expectations for programs. That's that's exactly. That's a good. <laughs> so a good I I did some research, and Tennessee is tenth in all time wins with six national championships. Nebraska is fifth. Yeah, fifth in all time wins with five national championships. Yes. Um, but those teams over the since 2000, Tennessee has a 58% win percentage with only four division titles, and Nebraska has a 62% win percentage with seven division titles. Uh, really, the numbers back it up. Numbers, but get this. Yeah. I, I took a search for all teams that have won a national championship, and I found a team who has nine national championships, most, most of them in the teens, the 19 teens, but they have nine of them who has a 56% win percentage with two conference titles, one division title, and 15 bowl games since 2000. And that team is the Pittsburgh Panthers. So Tennessee is less Nebraska and more Pitt. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Vol fans. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, Jeremy Pruitt has, has maintained, um, pretty good recruiting and, you know, that's what Butch Jones was known for. And that's what he brought into Tennessee. He just couldn't do anything with it. Um, you know, it's, it's the Sabinization of the SEC. Jeremy Pruitt it, uh, worked with Saban for a long time. Um, he brought in Jim Cheney as offensive coordinator, who I love. He makes the most out of everything that he has. So, you know, the big thing is that Tennessee returns the second most production of any team in the country. Um, and if you think that experience leads to improvement, then boy, Tennessee has it in spades. <laughs> yeah, I think they're in for a big improvement year. Uh, I expect them to get to a three game, maybe seven, eight. Yeah, season, kind of that would be a huge improvement. But you got to think, you know, in, conference football is a zero sum game. You know, we can like uh, Dan Mullen and Derek Mason uh, and Jeremy Pruitt and Will Mill. We can like these guys and think they're good, but th- there's only so many wins to go around. So who gets the losses? And in, it's kind of, you know, Vandy and, and Tennessee get those losses. And it's like, well, okay, so if, if Tennessee's doing better, then that means we're losing or South Carolina's losing or, you know, we cannibalize each other and each team is like five and three in conference. So... You know, you want these guys to do well, but just not against your team. <laughs> and so I, I don't, I don't know where the wins come from, but I do think they're in the in a good direction. So you think they will make a bowl by the end of the season? I think there's a good chance that every team in the SEC East meets a bowl. Oh, put it down. You heard it here first. Vanderbilt because of their tough schedule. That's my only question. Yeah, but. I think the SEC is top to bottom. Like, it's uh, top to bottom. I mean, it's better than the SEC. SEC is basically top heavy. Yeah. And they'll just yeah. beat up on each other. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Our, our last team to preview for the 2019 season 
is our hated rival, Arkansas, uh, to the south. And, of course, the Razorbacks are going through a rebuild, moving from Brett Bielema's uh, Gurr man ball running down their throat 40 times to Chad Morris's uh, Clemson-inspired spread, up-tempo spread. And um, to put it kindly, last year could have gone better for Arkansas. Uh, I guess for you, Sammy, how long do you think it's going to take Chad Morris to rebuild Arkansas back to competence? Well, I do think Chad Morris is a good coach. I think he's a right man job at Arkansas. I mean, but it is going to take a while, and I hope Razorback fans realize that because they went 2-10 last season to play the best division mm-hmm. in all college football. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they had most players in the conference enter the transfer portal this offseason. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, so wow. I think they just need to be patient, but it's going to take a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you can, you can see... You can see what Chad Morris wants to do. And, yeah, you mentioned the transfer portal. And it, it goes both ways, right, because they brought in uh, Ben Hicks, the quarterback from SMU. They brought in Nick Starkle, a former quarterback at Texas A&M. Um, you know, they've got transfers coming in as well as transfers going out. And, you know, they played – they tried to get some youth in there last year. They was mostly just kind of play whoever can, can function. Um, but when you have a new quarterback – uh, you have a running back who is super inefficient, um, you know, Rakeem Boyd, who only averaged about six yards per carry, but only on a handful of carries, and really only had about 40% success. Uh, and then a receiving core who I think only one guy topped 500 yards, and he's gone. Um, so um, you got a lot of untested folks coming up. And, yeah, it's going to be a couple of years, especially when you're trying to rebuild in the big bad Alabama run SEC yeah, they, West, I mean, they got some pieces there. I mean, Devon Haley, they're running back, but I mean, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just not, not much there yet. But I mean, Arkansas does have a good fan base. I mean, but it, it'll take some time. It'll take some time. They do. They do. I think one of the more uh, surprising things for me, and this is definitely good news if you are a uh, if you are a Razorback fan, is their recruiting. Uh, you you mentioned that you know they won two games last year, two, um, and their recruiting class this off season, uh, it ranked twentieth. I, I think yeah, it was twentieth in the country for a two win team. Um, so you know what they're pitching to recruits, what they're selling, people are are definitely you know buying. Um, so you know you can see kind of a. You know, redoing the culture, rebuilding the infrastructure, re-overhauling the roster. That takes time. Ask Mizzou. We've been through it. Um, it but they, This takes so much more time in college football than basketball. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh, yeah, you got to rebuild 22 starters plus their backups instead of, you know, 10 guys. Um, I think Mizzou fans should be fortunate that this has been a fast rebuild process. I mean, we're kind of back to respectability now. All things considered, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see what this season brings, but it has been steady improvement, and you know you can you can see you can see the roadmap that Morris has laid out for the Razorbacks, and you know redoing that culture and, and installing a brand new style and all that stuff. And yeah, it's going to be bumpy, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's the guy for it. Um, you just got to hope that the boosters and the fan base don't bail after two years. And then they have to start all over again. But there is a play in there, so 
let's see what Arkansas had in store for this season and their rebuilding process. Absolutely. So that's it. You know, if we are banned from the postseason, that Arkansas will be the last game. Now, fingers crossed, we you know win the East and get to the SEC championship, and then you know play a bowl on New Year's Eve. But you know, we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there. Um, you know, we we've been pretty optimistic uh, on Mizzou's chances. Uh, we've pointed out a couple of things, you know, positive things about other teams, teams that we can we- beat, and teams we can lose to. Um, you don't have to put a number on it, but overall, do you think that this fans are going to look back and say, yes, this was a successful season for the 2019 Tigers? I think it will be. I, I just think with everything they have going for them, well, except the postseason ban, I, they got Bryant, they got the schedule that works out, they got plenty of talent surrounding Bryant, they got the new end zone. They got beer. That, but, uh, <laughs> they've got so many things going for them. The, the fan base is so excited for like the first time, maybe since the 13, 2014 days. I, mean, I yeah. say my baseline expectation for the season is 9 and 30. If they get to that, that is a solid year. That is, you should be happy. Fit should be happy with that year, with a 9 and 3 record. We should be happy. And we'll see how it goes. Hopefully we don't lose any stupid games. We just lose the ones we are <laughs> anticipated to lose and play well in them. You're supposed to beat. You can lose a couple, mm-hmm. but don't lose <laughs> Please, God, do not lose the stupid ones. So the season starts uh, against a pesky team. That could be a stupid loss in Wyoming. That's uh, in two weeks. Uh, team sounds like they're they're feeling good, playing good. Uh, looking forward to it. We are as well. Uh, we will be back next week uh, doing a little bit of pre-gaming for you guys with the Wyoming Cowboys, uh, looking at depth charts, uh, potential matchups, and maybe a couple little secret things that uh, we'll tell you later. Who knows? All right. So for Mr. Sammy Stalva, I am Nate Edwards. Thank you for tuning in to Before the Box Score. We'll do better next time. We'll see you then. M-I-Z.